0: And the woman was arrayed in gold and scarlet and adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. Welcome to The Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. Revelation gives a message of hope for all, but Revelation 17 is not meant for kids. Please note that this chapter is going to contain graphic imagery that isn't meant for innocent years. But for those who are experienced with the horrors of sin, Revelation 17 provides a call for wisdom and a message of hope.
1: Okay, so today we are going to get into Revelation chapter 17, which is one of the more graphic chapters of the whole Bible right up there with Ezekiel 16, this would probably be seen as one of the more graphic chapters of the Bible, because this is taking us into the story of the prostitute. So, Mike, where does this prostitute fit into the flow of Revelation?
2: So if you think about what we've seen in terms of these judgment scenes— we were introduced back in chapter 11 to this this city, but particularly chapter 14, um, where where this announcements that's made when we see the whoa whoa and the uh, no I'm sorry that's that's a different thing the the judgments in 14 right. uh, is this announcement fallen fallen is Babylon the Great right and so we we're, we're we're told before we even know who Babylon is we, we're hearing this announcement of her demise and her fall. Same thing in chapter sixteen. Um, what we looked at last time with these bowls of wrath, the seventh bowl, we see Babylon the Great was remembered before God and is given her the the cup of wine of His fierce wrath. And so, what happens as we pick up into chapter seventeen is we're going to have uh, an expansion of that final um, uh, bowl of wrath, right? The the judgment that that's been. Uh, announced and anticipated for the last few chapters, um, now we're going to get to sort of zoom in and look more closely. And so the, the angel is going to come in and give us a tour, and we're going to see that. The, the other thing I want to say at the beginning for just comparative purposes, notice that there's there's going to be a beast and a prostitute in this chapter. And, and, and just as we read, think in contrast already, to the Lamb and His Bride that we'll read about in, in later chapters as well. Very good,
1: very good. All right. So let's, what? let's just read through the chapter. I'm going to pause a couple of times yeah. for us to make some comments with this, but let's just sure. begin Revelation 17, verse 1. Yeah. Then one of the angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, "'Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute "'who is seated on many waters.'" with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls holding in her hand a golden cup. Full of abominations and impurities of her sexual morality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So this takes us into a scene where again we go into a wilderness. Much mm-hmm. as we did in chapter 12 with a woman against a yep. beast, now mm-hmm. again we have a woman with a beast. So, Mike, mm-hmm. you, you already did this briefly, but for clarity's sake, take us again. We see two key figures here. Yep. We see the prostitute, and then we see a scarlet beast. Mm-hmm. What are each of these? Yeah,
2: so, I mean, so we've seen we need to at least go back to the dragon of chapter 12 who was this red dragon with the heads and the horns and the tails and the power. And then we're introduced to these beasts in chapter 13, the beast coming up out of the sea and the earth beast, and, and seeing the, the dragon or the devil and his allies and the forces by which he, he rules uh, and, and wages war on the earth. And, and then now we're introduced to this, this woman um, who is pictured as a prostitute, right? And it's interesting. He he. The visual description is sort of high class prostitute that would be catering to the the wealthy, um, but yet the language he uses is sort of the lower degraded sort of slum prostitute as well. And so um, he he's drawing on all this imagery to describe this woman who is, um, uh, you know, enticing and. Um, Leading people astray, and and this this name is written Babylon, the Great, mother of harlots. And so, even even the idea of drawing on this idea of a city and a woman are brought together um, in in this in the scene. But again, the key here, uh, not the key, but but a big key for the overall book is is what what you read in verse six. She's drunk with the blood of the saints with the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. And so again, going back to what we've what we've highlighted so many times, that cry from the, the souls under the altar in the fifth seal back in chapter 6, right? Now we're seeing, okay, who it was who re, who's responsible for killing them. And, and, um, and it's this prostitute woman. And we might be reminded of Jezebel back in the, the king's story, right? Who, who's the one who, you know, Ahab and Jezebel who killed all the prophets of God, um, the prophets of Yahweh in in those days, and we see the same thing, uh, the same kind of language here.
1: Yeah, so much there, so much there. And and, and I think you're offering so much clarity to understanding both who these characters are within the context of Revelation, but also who these characters are within the larger story of Scripture. Because taking this just one step further, Babylon, which in the Old Testament is Babel, is the adversary of God's people, period. Mm -hmm. From Genesis 11 onward, Babel is the enemy of God's people. Even when you look at texts like Ezekiel 16, Ezekiel 23, which paint a judgment on God's people for whoring themselves to Babylon, Mm -hmm. there is this idea constant through Scripture that Babylon is defiling and desecrating the holy people of God. And you're seeing this here come to a climax where you see the woman is originally allied to the beast, but yep. this woman has constantly been filled with violence and immorality and embodying all of the wickedness of the world. Well, Let's keep yep. reading. Verse 6, second part. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was... And is not, and is to come. Mike, what does that mean? The beast was, and is not, and is about to. Well,
2: I think you know he, he he's going to expand that a little bit with these you know heads or kings, and kings have fallen, and others not. But but I think the more significant point is seeing this in relation to this this thing that's been said about God throughout revelation, right? He's the one who was, who is, who is to come, and like we've talked about in previous episodes, that when we see the enemies of God, it's almost this dark parody, um, a a counterfeit, and you get the same kind of idea here with the beast. He wasn't, you know, who was, who is, who is to come. No, who was, who is not, who's about to come up, and yet go to destruction. Yes,
1: yes. And, and, and I think it's so important to recognize, just as you talk about the nature of evil, you know, Carbart, one one of my favorite thinkers, argued that evil is a little more than nothing, but not quite something. Hmm. And there's so much wisdom in that where evil is not a opposing force to good evil cannot even become something like good is. Mm. And, and and Bart lived during World War II seeing the horrors of his nation. Mm-hmm. But I, I think whenever you carry that to even just everyday sin and evil that you see, sin never is original. Sin is never creative. Sin only distorts what God had already made. Mm-hmm. God is the only creator. Mm-hmm. Sin is merely a distortion of that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a little bit more than nothing, but not quite something, where it sin can't create, and sin doesn't have any real power in and of itself. All it's doing is distorting what God already made. And I think that's what you see both in the nature of the prostitute and the beast here, is it's merely deceiving and distorting and counterfeiting the good things that our Creator had made. Yeah. So verse nine and
2: holding. Go ahead. And holding out this allure with the with at least the prostitute anyway this allurement uh, towards towards something again away from away from God. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Verse nine. But yeah, keep you
1: keep reading. Yeah. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated there are also seven kings five of whom have fallen one is the other has not yet come and when he does come he will remain only a little while R- very briefly mike the seven mountains you know there's all mm-hmm. types of questions that we could get into with this but but, yeah. but but symbolically why is the woman seated on the mountains
2: yeah i, I mean well mountains throughout scripture temple sites, you know, representative of kingdoms, and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, clearly some historical references in here, uh, but but we, we've seen throughout Revelation seven is not something we just take literally and run with it, or, or numbers in general are, are not something we take literally and run with it, but, but again, these are symbolic of, and seven being completion and, and, and all that, and so I, I think we have to do the same thing here with Seven mountains, seven heads, you know, the kings and, and and all that sort of stuff, that these are symbolic numbers that are that are making a theological point more than just making us go count Roman emperors. Yeah. And, and, and the one like
1: point that. you made that I want to expand upon a bit, I, I do think there's a strong connection here between the mountains and high places. Sure, yeah. This absolutely. is the place of idolatry. You know, yeah. as you as you work throughout the whole scripture, you always see not always but you more frequently see idolatry on high places. Yeah. And, I
2: mean that's that's the the re- refrain that's repeated throughout the book of kings is you know even a good king yet they did not take down the high places. Yeah,
1: exactly, right? And this woman now is exalted. She was in the wilderness and now she is exalted mm-hmm. in the high places because of the kings.
2: Yeah. Let, let, let me can I can I make an observation course, just yeah. about that? that line in verse 9 here is the mind which has wisdom th- think about that for just a second i i think it's more than just saying all right here's the person who can decode what i'm saying i, I think uh, if anything you know john's immediate audience th- there was nothing coded here for th- for them right they they got the references they saw this so the mind that has wisdom is not who can crack the de- the code decipher the code and understand what he's talking about but who can who can see the beast around them for what it is? Yes, right. Um, and to be able to 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 look out and see the powers and the structures and the forces uh, of evil around, and not be deceived by them—that's the wisdom that John's getting. Yes, at, right. And yes. not getting swept away, not getting yes.
1: enticed by it. Yes. You know, you see the same phrase in thirteen eighteen. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for its number is the number of a man six six six. Same exact mm-hmm. phrase used there, and I think yeah. in both cases, as you said, it's not a call for like, as we've said before, national treasures, ciphers, and decoding mm-hmm. Da Vinci type stuff, right? Yeah. But but it's
2: as fun as that would be. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's look for a Fibonacci sequence here. But you know, I think more realistically, what this is calling for is who can see the distortions who can see the thing that is a little more than nothing but not quite something right yeah it's it's very 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 difficult for christians to live in you know we we both live within a, a midwestern culture to look okay. at the not so bad midwest culture around us and think oh, mm-hmm. see well, it's not that bad it's not that yeah. bad right i mean we don't we don't live with all of the horrors that some others do there's perhaps a tr- level of truth to that in, in in severity and gravity, but we have to have the wisdom of Christ to discern the distortions and the counterfeits among us, yeah. especially in the political landscape that we're living in.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: With the media saturation that we have, we mm-hmm. need wisdom for this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And—, and and to be able to see clearly, right, that there, there's a reason he uses the language of prostitute and beast. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and and where you'd say, like, where you said a minute ago, we look around and say, this is not so bad, or, oh, look how great this is, or any anything like that, when we need to look and say, you, you know, see, see these things as for what they are, it's a ravenous monster. Absolutely. Yes. It's a, it's a yes. Um, seductive Yes. Right. That's that's what we need to to see when we see these again these powers these structures these forces around us, um, and not get comfortable not get um, let our guard down not be enticed any of those things. Preach
1: it. Yep. I mean, <laughs> notice what happens. Verse eleven. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings. The powers of the world, the present world order, who have mm-hmm. not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and their authority to the beast. So now we have another group of players here, these ten kings that are going to give of their power and their authority to the beast, Yeah, because the beast has deceived them. But then verse mm-hmm. 14, I have this verse underlined in my Bible. They will make war on the Lamb. The Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with whom those with Him are called, and chosen, and faithful. Very briefly, Mike, because I want to make sure we finish the chapter. Who is this Lamb? What does He do?
2: Yeah, I I mean this 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 passage seventeen fourteen and twelve ten are are like um, I I believe you know, kind of the anthem verses of of the whole book, right? There's so many, but, but these just have a special punch and a special power as we've just been confronted with the destructive, seductive whore and the ravenous beast with all this royal imperial power that are bringing all that they have to fight the lamb. And yet, here is this powerful lamb that we we were introduced to all the way back in chapter uh, 5 right we we're expecting the lion from the tribe of Judah to roar and what we saw was this lamb standing as slain and we've seen him continue to wage war and to conquer um through his own sacrificial yeah absolutely atoning death and so it's this lamb who does power differently yes. right we'll see when we get to chapter 18 what power looks like for the prostitute and for the beast. Uh, and we've got glimpses of it already, but but notice the lamb does power differently and he they wage war against him and throw everything they've got at him and yet he overcomes because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And notice how he he empowers others to overcome as well. And those who are with him are the faithful, the called or the called chosen and faithful.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Finishing at the chapter then verse fifteen Then the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and unclothed and devour her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal powers to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. The woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. Plot twist, yeah. Major.
2: Yeah, the, the perverse love affair that we saw between the beast and the prostitute and all the kings of the earth, right? They turn on one another in a violent
1: end. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and we can't just skim over this. You have to really see the yeah. climax of what happens. When you look mm-hmm. at verses 16 into verse 17, the ten kings who have now pledged themselves to the beast, to the dragon, that ancient serpent, they then arise and rape and kill and burn the prostitute. Yeah. She was never more or less than an object to them. Mm -hmm. She was nothing more or less than an instrument of pleasure for them. Mm -hmm. This is not love. This is lust. Mm Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is the warning that Revelation 17 is really giving in strong sexual tones, Mm -hmm. is sin in all of its perverse forms entices and allures us through lust and sensuality. And yet at the end of the day, the serpent is merely going to kill Mm -hmm. anything and everything that he wants, because that's all that he knows— Sin is a little bit more than nothing, but not quite something, right? Mm -hmm. It's wanting to get back to nothingness and destruction and selfishness within its own heart. And, And that, I think, is the warning that Christians must take with sin, is recognizing that sin and transgression, evil and wickedness, are merely a prostitute that is alluring and deceiving us and yet, is leading to the path of destruction. This is Proverbs yeah. one through three, isn't it?
2: it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, was, I was just thinking about that—that that idea of wisdom, right? Wisdom is that ability to see the end. So often, we get caught up in that immediate right. What's it, right? That pleasure that's right in front of us, and wisdom here again. We talked about that, but but it's helping us see the end. Yeah. This is this is the end of that lust, the end of that evil, the end of that idolatry and that injustice, it's evil turning on itself in
1: horror. So, Mike, let me make one final conclusion, then I'll ask you to close this out. I I think Revelation 17, to me, really demonstrates the true nature of lust versus love, where Mm -hmm. we're going to see in chapter 19 a love story. It's beautiful, Mm -hmm. and it ends in a wonderful, eternal bond. But this is the nature of lust. Mm -hmm. And in a media culture that is saturated in sexuality and sensuality that is perverse, this is a call for Christians don't give in to this. Sex was created as a good gift from God that demonstrates the eternal love of God. Mm -hmm. And yet the prostitute has not created it. She's distorted it. And Mm -hmm. sin entices, and allures us, and is nothing more or less than a lust. But as Christians, we need wisdom to know the difference.
2: Yeah. I I think just to end, I I just want to read verse 14 again. Again, this has such a power to it, and let's let this uh, note of victory um, take us home. These will wage war against the Lamb. The Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings and those who are with him, called and chosen and faithful. It
1: almost sounds like...
2: Yeah, I've heard that before. I where, where you're going to
1: go with that? Your God <laughs> reigns.
0: Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, join Ryan and Mike as they talk about Revelation 18. It recounts the judgment of Babylon that began in 17. Yet amidst these cries of judgment lies a message of hope for the people of God. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns.